Hello and welcome back to episode 6 of the Main Football Podcast. We've just recorded episode 2 of our Tales of Amateur Football series and we wanted to get another one out for you just because of all the sporting news that's going on at the moment, obviously. In today's episode we'll be talking about European football, so more specifically about the English teams, but we'll be talking about Dortmund's chances with Erling Haaland getting two against PSG. Then obviously we'll be moving on to the Premier League, talking about the top six race and uh, the sort of weird nature of the league this season and how close it's been and then obviously um we couldn't miss out on this the tyson fury versus deontay wilder fight our thoughts on that what we think about about a potential rematch or about him facing aj soon so before we start actually i'll uh, introduce jack and mikey how are you doing jack long time no see i know mate i know defo not just recorded an episode but exactly and and mikey how are you doing very good mate obviously two episodes in one day couldn't be better I know, we're getting the uh, you know that work ethics uh, right up there for us boys, but um, we'll start. We'll start with uh, obviously this is last week Liverpool against Atletico um, away in Spain. Obviously a one 0 loss. Saul Niguez scoring. We saw quite a bit on Twitter, didn't we, about about that sort of compact four four two that was going around. And it's not often you see sort of a big side like Atletico. Well, that's their style, but it's not often you see many sides do that anymore. Um, I just wanted to know your thoughts on, on if they've got a chance away at Anfield. I'll start with you, Jack. I mean, why not at the end of the day? If they've managed to halt Liverpool from breaking them down in the first leg and uh, nab a goal there, if they can keep a low block, keep sharp, keep stable in their shape and play when they can at the right times, there's no reason... They can't nab something, but then again, you can never write Liverpool off. We yeah. know what they were like last season in the Champions League. They've been unbelievable in the league this season. The players, uh, I think in Robertson and Van Dijk's post-match interview, they sounded confident. You've not been to Anfield yet, they mm. said. Um, so no, it will be interesting certainly to see whether Madrid can hold out. Based on past experience of getting things wrong I remember predicting Liverpool would go out when they were struggling against Barcelona <laughs> last season so I'm not writing them I think off we this all made time. that mistake <laughs> <laughs> but I think no I just yeah if they can stay stable they've got a chance mm. but it's all about if Liverpool get one then Atletico needs to come out and play yeah and I think in that case when then that's when Liverpool can play their expansive football yeah well I'd argue that that Liverpool Barca match is easily one of the most famous of the last sort of 10 years mm. everyone remembers that and you think that's, that's going to be playing in the Atletico players minds because they must have been watching that or they're, they're obviously all going to know about that famous night um, but I mean do you, do you think that's going to be in the back of their minds Mikey do you see it making an impact I don't think it will be I think it's a completely different game obviously Barca had that three goal lead and they were one step away from Champions League final obviously it's a completely different situation I think they go there with the advantage which was obviously vital for them you know if Liverpool would have got the advantage in the first like you would have thought you know they might have been struggling but I think you you mentioned the post-match interviews there from Van Dijk and Robertson I think it's fair to say Liverpool have got a chip on their shoulder ahead of this mm. second leg you know mm. they were frustrated the other night they want more out of their play and I think the problem with Atletico is you look at previous seasons you look at last season they're so good at home they're brilliant at keeping teams out at home because of that low block but then when they've got to go away in the second leg, they struggle. Obviously, last year they beat Juventus 2-0 and then in the second leg lost 3-0 and went out. So yeah. that might be playing in their mind more than Liverpool's win over Barcelona. Yeah, I, I also suppose, obviously, over the years, um, Atletico, they reached two finals. Uh, I can't remember exactly what season it was. Was it 
15, 16, 13, no, 14, yeah, yeah. 15, 16. De definitely, I remember they played Real in 2014 when Bale and yeah. Ramos yeah, yeah. scored late. But on that point, I was going to say that they've, they've got a bit of a history of sort of tiring out and obviously it's against a world-class Real Madrid side, but you'd, you'd, you'd fear for them if, if it's nil-nil, you'd sort of, the later it gets, Liverpool are going to just keep on pushing and being so relentless. Um so, yeah, um, obviously they know the difference between this and the Barca game. I think Barca thought it was kind of one mm. and they mm. they were a bit overconfident. And yeah. I, I'm sure Atletico Madrid, they, they know it's far from over. hundred percent. And I think the difference being with Athletic, Atletico is that not only are they able to high press at times when they need to, they also know when to be compact. When I think Barca at times, particularly last season and in recent years, haven't been as adept in that defensive phase, whereas Atletico could um, could keep them quiet in that respect. But like I say, if Liverpool get one, then it could be all over. Yeah, um, and that moves us on to uh, another one of the Champions League games, um, Dortmund versus PSG. Uh, I don't know if you guys watched the game or the highlights or anything but um one man that stands out Haaland I'm still I don't I'm a bit bad with the pronunciation Erling Haaland isn't Haaland. it Haaland it's Haaland. not as bad as the commentator was calling him Haaland oh really during the game so that really won. got me but um but yeah obviously gets the PSG side full of talent obviously got Mbappe Neymar um sort of Dortmund's kind of causing a bit of an upset I suppose it, it, I saw this funny thing it was um they they had a lad at well obviously Sancho from City uh, Haaland's born in Leeds. Gia Reina. And then uh, the guy who was born in Sunderland, was that right? Yeah. So they had, a, you would never expect that in a Dortmund PSG game. But um, in terms of in terms of Dortmund's chances, obviously it's very early. They've still got to go away to um, PSG and PSG have got the away goal. Um, how would you rate their chances? I think they've been slightly written off in that respect this year. In terms of Sancho, they've got one of the, at the moment, on based on goal contributions, top five forwards in the world um, for productivity. Yeah, I think Sancho's been un unbelievable this season and he's proven his worth and hence will probably get a big money move yeah. um, in the summer. I think Haaland, they've got a complete striker. I think at this time last week, he had 28, in 28 games, 37 goals, eight assists. Mm. Obviously, that's including the Austrian League and the Bundesliga, but his impression over in Germany so far is that he's been something... It's not a fluke, he's... Otherworldly, no. yeah. It's, it's absolutely unbelievable. It's one of these... It's one. Of the, it's nice to be able to witness this, but it's almost... It's like one of those... I'd expect him, and obviously it's easy to say this when he's scored so many goals already, but if he, he's not going to... It doesn't look like he'll slow down unless he gets some big injury. Mm. And he's. It, it seems like he'll be the next player to sort of gets that 50 goals a season like Messi and Ronaldo a few years ago and even more recently but I feel like he's the sort of next player you tip to do that because he's almost like Lewandowski but yeah. more he's got the pace dribbling like he's got, he's got everything every, unlocked there's no weakness he's got no it's weakness it's the age that's scary it's he, when you watch him he looks like a player it comes naturally to him and he looks like a player that's been in the game for so many years and yeah. I think you look at that Dortmund team and Obviously, he's getting a lot of people talking about him naturally because of his goals. But, you know, since he's joined, look at like Jadon Sancho. He's not been talked about as much. And look at how good he's been over the last season or two. And I think that shows how good Haaland's been in, since he's come into Dortmund. Mm. Yeah, uh, he's, he's almost like the um, like the last player to have that sort of hype was probably Wayne Rooney, I'd argue, in terms of position, talking about the players in similar positions. I feel like Wayne Rooney was the last player to sort of have this 
kind of impact on on football at such a young Would age. Would you class Mbappe yeah, as that kind of striker, or as more as a right forward almost? I'd put him more as a as a right forward, but obviously he's another player on a, who's in terms of height levels. I'd say yeah, he's he's on his way to. I wouldn't I wouldn't say he's the sort of player you play up top by himself. He's always on the left or right side and kind of playing off another player. But um, but yeah, I mean in terms of their chances for the final, they've got a fantastic attacking team. Well, very obviously got Hummels back, um, some great def- other defenders too. So I mean they're probably sort of being underwritten for it. They've just got to go to PSG now and hopefully cause an upset. 100%. I mean, you look at that Dortmund squad, Royce being used as a 10 this year, other, the whole team's playing out of the skin. And I think as in the terms of the Champions League, they're being overlooked quite a bit. But then again, you can never write PSG off. I think mm. Neymar as a player is quite overlooked and underappreciated. Um, I think... So, as of last week, something like 76 games, 66 goals, 39 assists at PSG. Right? Yeah, I feel I, I do get the impression that he doesn't necessarily perform in the like the biggest games for them though. And I feel like PSG are always on the end of these sort of frustrating losses in the Champions League later on. And I don't feel like he kind of steps up to well, the plate. I think I mean, injuries have played a part. Yeah, yeah, true. He didn't play against United in either leg last year. He was made to watch on the sidelines. So I think staying fit will be so key for him if he's. Mm. If he's fit to play in the second leg and fit to go on in the competition, that's massive, obviously, for PSG's chances. And for him to cement his place at the top of, you know, footballing elite at the moment, because I suppose it's, like you just said, Jackie, I suppose he's quite overlooked at the moment. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'd say until he gets either an, an individual accolade to appreciate that or more of a collector's, uh, collector's trophy with PSG, it's weird. It's almost like the football community won't, won't respect put him them, on yeah. that level unless yeah. he gets something like that. I mean, done yeah, so PSG much haven't they haven't really got close enough to a final, in my opinion, or even no. well, they haven't touched a final. So, but he's won the Champions League, though, hasn't he? Exactly, like, he's, yeah, won, he's done it previously. And I think in that summer, obviously, he had in that space of that year, he had the World Cup with Brazil at home. You know, if he would have won that World Cup and then won the Champions League a year later, we'd be talking about a completely different player. Yeah, I suppose the difference is now he's not. He's now the main man along with Mbappe. And mm. moving on to, uh, well, our first team we're going to talk about in the Europa League. Um, Wolves with a 4-0 win over Espanyol at home um, at the Molineux. Uh, got to go away, but you think that's sort of dust and, done and dusted now. An absolutely fantastic win for them. Um, 100%. I think... I saw a tweet the other day, it made me laugh, I think you two will agree. It was very football cliches-esque along the lines of name a more kind of scorer of otherworldly goals, uh, a, a better scorer of other wor- of out-of-the-world goal, out-of-this-world goals, sorry, yeah. who isn't a typical scorer of goals. And I think Ruben Neves encapsulates that. You look at yeah. some of the goals he's scored, albeit he does take a lot of shots at times, but when they come off, my God, mm. wow. And then you look at the form of Jimenez, Yota, um, Yota with... Wait, I think is Yota just come back from injury? Because I feel like I just haven't seen him score at all recently. Until he has been out injured. Has he? I think... Because he got one in the weekend as well, or was it two? He got two yesterday. Yeah. Two in the weekend, three... Um, in the in the week, and you, I think it's partly due to the change of system. Adama's been on the bench recently as a result mm. of the three-five-two Nuno's re, re, uh, return to, and I think Jimenez and Yota Yota being as a more <coughs> kind of left-sided striker that has seemed to bode well for him. But what does it hold for Adama? You can't keep uh, for too long anyway. 
a yeah. player of such caliber. I suppose. Yeah, I guess the only thing is though is <laughs> they're play, they're fighting on so many fronts at the moment, um, and helps well, to have the depth, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But they're, they're not really a team that's known for their depth. That's the only problem. So they've been they've managed their injuries well, and obviously got that sort of luck of not getting any too many serious injuries. Um, but I mean, like like I say, it's. Um, Fighting on so like playing so many matches, you're gonna Adam will get way more chances, and he'll be he'll be sort of fit and raring to go. I, I imagine. 100%. But in in terms of um, for the Europa League, who how would you how would you rate their chances? I'll start with you, Mikey. I think if they keep playing with the confidence they're playing with, and pri- not necessarily prioritizing, but kind of balancing the Premier League and the Europa League like they have done, obviously with a pretty full strength team on Thursday night against Espanyol. I wouldn't write them off. I wouldn't say the Europa League is nailed down to one team this year. I saw the odds prior to it that made United favourites. Um, yeah. I think over two legs or even in a one-off game, if it was in the final, you would you would expect Wolves to give someone like United a game. And I think United and Arsenal are the two front runners. I'm not sure, maybe Inter Milan. I'd, I'd put Inter Milan as my, yeah, my top but I would I would expect Wolves to give any of those a game if they're on their, you know, on their day, if they keep yeah. playing like they are. So... I wouldn't write them off. And the way they keep prioritising these Europa League games, and obviously now they can rest players in this second leg on Thursday. Mm. So they've got that chance now to kind of sit back and look towards the next round. Yeah, definitely. And obviously you've got, got Jimenez, which is a player who's, Silly, apart from any Brighton players, arguably my one of my favourite players in the Premier League. Um, I remember him back at when he was Atletico. Kind of, it was a bit more of a youngster, but he's a player that if you were a striker or anyone feeding off him like Yotta. Uh, he's like a strike. He's like a well, uh, an attacker's dream, isn't he? he just proper number nine. Exactly, and he's got so well. He's I can't remember his exact stats now, but it's something like thirteen goals, ten assists, or something ridiculous like that. And Clini- he defines clinical. Yeah, exactly, and just all rounder really, and unselfish, hardworking. Um, I'm surprised. I mean, a, a team that's obviously Wolves doing amazing, so he wouldn't want to leave yet. But I'm surprised a team like Liverpool City wouldn't go in for him in the future. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. I think probably. In terms of he's at his prime now and Wolves are obviously gonna demand a big fee. If you're looking to him for the future, I think I think I don't see City there with Aguero's replacement is gonna be someone of younger nature. Well you've got Jesus obviously. Yeah, exactly. Jesus is there and Jimenez is gonna after having such a time of his life at Wolves, he's gonna want to keep being that staple number nine yeah, and I don't think he'd want to that at City. Yeah. yeah, true. I think United yeah. had uh, actually be a I mean, in terms of a long-term Lukaku replacement, won't be a bad. But why would you want to go to United if you're currently at Wolves? Yeah, and especially yeah. if they get the Champions League. If they, if I they... think with Jimenez as well, obviously, United have shown in their system currently that they, their number nine or whoever's playing up front, obviously it's Martial at the moment. It has been Rashford, it's been Greenwood. They need to be flexible and move mm. around in terms of, you know, they'll switch during the game. And I think with Jimenez, he needs to be in the centre of the pitch. He needs to stay in that number nine role. I look at someone like... Chelsea, you know, with obviously Batshuayi and Giroud behind Abraham, you know, if he could be an option, or even Spurs because they're quite reliant on Harry Kane and obviously Kane's always getting linked with moves away as well. So yeah. I don't know. I think Chelsea and Spurs are more realistic, but if I'm totally honest, I don't know why you'd want to leave Wolves at the moment. No, exactly. And also, obviously, they're a team that can definitely push on. I don't think this is just the most... I don't think this is like the last we've seen of them um, as this European threat, I'd say, for England. Um and it's quite it's quite an amazing story, really, because they they went down in 2011, 12, I believe, yeah. and 
pretty sure they finished rock bottom with Matt Jarvis and a few of those players. Mm -hmm. um, Jamie O'Hara, wasn't it? As yeah. Well, essentially. Oh yeah, and uh, was it Ebanks Blake too? I believe so. Um, but they've kind of they've gone down. I remember them losing to us and getting relegated and going to League One. They've rebuilt and with a lot of investment. But it's it's fantastic to see really, and and I'm sure there'll be there'll be much more of it. Um, but we'll move on to uh, the Premier League in general now. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll start with I'll start with the sort of top six race. Uh, a lot of teams have been struggling for consistency recently. Um, I mean, we'll start with United. We've just been talking about them. Um, obviously, a good win over good win over Chelsea um, earlier in the week away at Stamford Bridge. Then drew with Bruges, which is not the most ideal result, but could be worse. And then obviously beating um, <clears throat> beating Watford uh, yesterday. Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Mikey. What what do you make of sort of United's form at the moment? Bit impressed, but I think it's easy at the moment with United to get too far ahead of yourself. You know, trying to run before you can walk. I think. What's impressed me most has been the consistency at the back in defence. I think it's something like five out of the last six games. Now we've kept a clean sheet, three Premier League games in a row. And we're starting to see the likes of Harry Maguire become that commanding centre-back that United paid that money for. Mm. I think, obviously, Eric Bailly coming back from injury, impressed at Chelsea. Um, Solskjaer's kind of tinkered with the two systems. Obviously, he's had the 5-3-2 and he's had the 4-2-3-1. So... It kind of mixes in, you know, brings in different players. Victor Lindorf started against Watford, had a good game. Uh, Luke Shaw's been, he's been like a different player in the last few weeks. I think he's he played centre back, get, hasn't he? Yeah, he's played that centre back role, and he played left back yesterday, and he just looks like he has more confidence in general. Yeah, I, I don't, haven't seen him enough to be honest, but one, I always think he looks, I don't know, I don't know if he's had too many injury problems, but he just looks like he's a bit too sort of bulky yeah. to be a left back anymore. Well, I and think the. The challenge that obviously the challenge that not many people saw coming from Brandon Williams to challenge him for that yeah. left back spot has probably pushed him on a lot. But I think obviously mentioning those defenders, you have to mention Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who's arguably, arguably been United's most consistent player this season, and obviously his performances have helped that out. Obviously, he got the assist for Martial's goal at yeah, Chelsea. Yeah, brilliant cross that. I think a lot of United's recent form has come from that solidity at the back and that influence they've had starting attacks from you know, from the base and going up from there. And I think, obviously, you can't mention United's recent form without going on about Bruno Fernandes. He's, he's kind of galvanised the team, not just on the pitch, but off it. You can see his leadership qualities are starting to grow. And I think Solskjaer's identity and kind of work ethic that he wants about the team is starting to come to light without even the likes of Rashford, Pogba mm. and even McTominay being out. With Bruno Fernandes, it almost feels like, would you say it's a signing that kind of it's not a rushed one where they, they've kind of got a player who's actually right for the team. Because I feel like recently, like Sanchez, for example, yeah. January last year, um, it's kind of felt like players have been signed just for their name or how much money they can make. Or how heavily City have been linked to them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then um, but it feels like, I I'll be honest, I, haven't, I saw him against Chelsea for when he was on playing a bit. But then he had, I, he had arguably his best game yesterday, yeah. would you say? Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I think he's come in, obviously. He's played the three or four games now. I think for me, you talk about him having a good game at Chelsea, his debut against Wolves was all right, and then yesterday, arguably, his most confident game, he's really grown into it. But I think the most telling game for me was that Bruges one. He came on for 10 minutes and did more in midfield and did more work going forward than yeah. any player did in the other 80 minutes. And for me, that showed his work ethic and how much he wants to play for the club, play for the badge that perhaps... Players like Sanchez, you know, Mkhitaryan at times didn't have, they didn't have that drive. And, you know, he's not on, as far as I'm aware, he's not on these massive wages, you know, these rushed wages that you were talking about. So mm. 
I think he's got that incentive and it seems like the perfect fit. Obviously, I've not wanted to jump on the bandwagon too much yet because it's easy to do that when a new signing comes in. You know, mm. you look at players scoring a few times in the first few games and then fading off, but he really seems like he is the perfect fit for United at the moment. He's just what Solskjaer needs in that role. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say so much questioning the drive of Sancho and Mkhitaryan. Sanchez. Sanchez, sorry. Sanchez and <laughs> I'd love to be talking about Sanchez. <laughs> Sanchez and Mkhitaryan. I just think obviously it was a case of unlucky with injuries and form, and same with Lukaku. When Lukaku left, it was he doesn't want it anymore. The drive. So I, th- I can't. I, I wouldn't say you can shoehorn all these players into a category of not wanting it or the drive. I just say it's a combination, isn't it? Of yeah, being under Mourinho and factors. Yeah, it's obviously we've got a lot of un- unst- instability. If that's a word, instability. 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 We've not got that. I think over the last few months, and you see it starting to build now, particularly in the last few weeks, there has been that unstable nature at United where players haven't had a run in the team. There's not been a set-down team that you've seen the likes of Liverpool and Man City have. So I think it's been difficult for players like Sanchez, obviously, when he came in to you know hit the ground running and get underway because that structure's not been in place. And I think you can see now with Solskjaer, that structure's starting to build as much criticism as he gets. If you look underneath that that structure is starting to build and the foundations are there yeah I think it's also this season whilst it's been a bit of a weird one for United it's kind of been refreshing with all the youngsters you've brought through and even let's say Solskjaer doesn't let's say he leaves in the summer he's kind of set that foundation and I mean I'd like to see him stay I think it's good that whilst the United board aren't renowned for being the best owners let's say that um, I think it's good that they've actually uh, showed patience there's been a lot of times this season where he could yeah could have been sacked, I think. And you, you see these stats of like, oh, he's got a worse record than David Moyes and stuff, or without penalties, which is a stupid stat, but without mm. penalties, he's got like 0.3 points per game or something weird like that. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like the patience they're showing, it's, it's really sort of going to be beneficial uh, yeah. in the long I term. I think he's growing as a manager as well in terms of, you look at, he gets often, he's portrayed as this weak you know, like, yes, mm. man, I suppose you could say. But yeah. you look at yesterday, he leaves Andreas Pereira and Jesse Lingard out, who have arguably been two of United's most, you know, out-of-form players this season. He's kind of stood up and said, well, we don't need them. We've got the squad capabilities. You know, he'll back the young players. And I think that's part of the growth. And as you say, I think if he was to leave United in the summer, which I hope he doesn't, if he was to go, I think he's let them he's left them foundations for whoever came in by playing them young players and I suppose re-establishing that identity that United have lacked over the last few years. Yeah, yeah. I, I find it a bit intriguing as to with Solskjaer because obviously he started so well and then it tailed off and then uh, then people kind of saying the foundations for the summer and then in the summer it was the foundations for now and now it's the foundations. It's almost feels like you get going and then you halted and then it's on repeat. Mm. It's hard to Describe. I'm, I, I know you say like, it shows his growth as a manager leaving two players out, but that's just standard. If two players are out of form, yeah, you just drop them. I'd that's true. But if they were in the team, he'd be getting criticised for putting them in. So when he takes them out, everyone goes, ah, oh, standard. He should know that. But I think that's twelve months ago. I don't think he would have done that. I think he would have no. kept playing them. And I think over the last few months, that's what he has done. Yeah, right, fair, I think it's a case enough. of uh, on social media and on and the media as well. He's kind of been scathed quite a bit yeah. and like you said he's kind of been betrayed as this weak person and I'm sure behind in the dressing room he's nothing like what everyone th- thinks he's, he is. I, I, it's, it's quite clear from his presses and stuff he, he will be t- it's tough on the players. Yeah exactly and I feel like there's this sort of portrayal of him as this sort of 
unfit for the job kind of person. And it must be quite hard for him seeing all that. Mm. Um, and it's just, well, it's just British press for you, isn't it, I suppose? It'd be intriguing and interesting to see how it plays out with what he's got now. Obviously, Rome wasn't built in a day. He does mm. need the foundations. Yeah. But I, I, when people liken it to the Klopp argument, Klopp had four years, I think it was more so that Klopp was proven in the Bundesliga. Yeah. And obviously, Oli, I think he won the league with Mould. Mm. But you need kind of more than that. But everyone's got to start somewhere exactly. also. Mm. So it's like a balancing act. I think if he, if he gets backed, and I think it's a case of, I know in the summer he said, uh, there's some players that won't be playing here and it was a largely similar squad. I think if he is able to have, not, because I think he is ruthless, but he's, if, he, if he's able to act ruthlessly in his decision-making in the summer in terms of axing quite a few of United stars who aren't, who aren't worthy of being in that team based on their performances mm. uh, in relation to how they've been performing and what they're worth to others and their wages and whatnot. Yeah. I think he, if he gets that continues with this more ruthless edge I think it could bode well but it'll be interesting mm, yeah definitely and uh, talking about uh, another team probably arguably struggling a bit more at the moment Tottenham Hotspur um, obviously it's kind of I would say it, we were talking last week weren't we about um, about sort of their form and how they've got quite a few points under Mourinho um, I mentioned that it's kind of it's been a bit more sort of worrying that it looks in terms of they've kind of edged a lot of games. They haven't really kept many clean sheets. Obviously, lost to Chelsea 2-1 and lost to Leipzig in the Champions League 1-0 with Timo Werner scoring, um, getting that crucial away goal for Leipzig. Um, and obviously, they've got no striker at the moment, which is a massive worry. And, and Mourinho said that in his post-match press conference against Chelsea. Um, he said that the team are tired. Um, they haven't got a striker. And he kind of said, well, he's kind of, discrediting Chelsea's win in a way but kind of while well, playing it down not discredit not discrediting it sort of playing it down saying his team retired but um for Tottenham is it kind of they look, they've looked very shaky in my opinion recently mm. I mean what's the sort of next step for what, what should the goal and, and ambition be for them this season I, th I think it's obviously always going to be top four based on how Mourinho's done I think had they have beaten Chelsea I think it'd be a different story they'd be joint second for the form in recent six games in terms yeah. of they would have, I think, won four, <laughs> drew one, and lost one. Um, so, or in in the case that they won. Um, so yeah, it, it's tough. Where do they go from here in terms of you can't with Kane out? It's always and Song Song Heung Min. Yeah, as well. exactly. They're always going to need that backup striker, which they don't currently have. Obviously, letting Urente go in hindsight. Obviously, mm. hindsight's a wonderful thing, but I think they do need a more staple, more adept to the Premier League striker that is content with contending with Kane but, but it's also so hard to find that with they've Kane been, they've been playing Lucas Moura there but he's he's a decent Square player but he's round holes <laughs> yes it's, a, it's the same with a uh, same with Bergvine obviously with Lucas they're both not forwards but yeah then what can you do you can look to Troy Parrott but and again he's 18 still inexperienced yeah I mean it's also that Spurs side under Pochettino where they were the sort of Obviously, you had Kane and you had these Tanta players up top, but then they were always known for their defensive solidity as well. Yeah. And I feel like, well, every time I've seen Vertonghen play this season, it just feels like they they look so shaky. Uh, I don't know if it's just these some of these players getting a bit old, losing their yeah. pace or losing that edge, that acceleration, or a lack of confidence this season. But it just feels like a lot of the time their defence gets run ragged and they've they've suffered against a lot of teams that have got that sort of pace. We saw it on the first day of the season yeah. against United. So 
it's it's kind of a lot. Of, I feel like a lot of teams at the moment are undergoing that refreshing period, but Spurs are yet to sort of be able to do that. They need that summer window to to refresh. Um, well, briefly before we we've got a, a, a little bit of the episode left, but uh, I just want to talk about Arsenal as well. Obviously, three two win um, uh, yesterday, um, and obviously they beat Burnley four 0 recently too. Uh, a bit of an upturn in form under Arteta. Um, sort of how how would you rate them so far I under th- Arteta? I think, although it's been a lot of draws, I think it is a work in progress. I think that's been clear to see. I think how. Well, you look at if under Emery, um, Mustafi and David Luiz would have been partnership, you would be thinking disaster, albeit there's still mistakes in there. But as a unit, they're a lot more, much more coherent. I think it's good that he's showing faith in Enketia and dropping Lacazette when Lacazette's been struggling with form. I think that's only fair. And I think... um, in terms of the last two games, Danny Ceballos has been absolutely brilliant. Mm. I think on, on the right side of that double pivot with Xhaka, obviously it's meant Torreira's missed out, who has been largely very good so far. Um, but Danny Ceballos seems has added that tenacious nature to his game recently. He's always been a very silk, silky passer of the ball, moving the ball yeah, yeah. and keep things ticking over, whereas he seems more ruthless, um, more yeah, more of a ruthless edge, I'd probably say to mm. him. Uh, and getting the best out of obviously his key players, which he's done with Aubameyang, mm. Özil's running more, Pepe's growing into this Arsenal side. I think yeah, it yeah. only bodes well. And, and in terms of him as a coach, you've obviously seen him up for uh, what was it, four years at City? Uh, three, three. Um, and you've seen it's it's hard to to know exactly what the assistant manager does, but being under sort of the mentorship of Pep and getting all that success with Pep as well. Um, do you see him being successful long term? A hundred percent. I'd put money on it. I think under Pep, it was quite clear from what the players were saying. He was doing extra shooting work, particularly at the end of sessions, and that's largely what's helped Raheem Sterling be so clinical in recent mm. years. Obviously, given De Bruyne that extra edge from distance, albeit he's always had, um, yeah, always had that shot. A lot of people have sort of credited him for a lot of Pep's work as well. He's kind of been just as pivotal, and um, but. Yeah, I'd imagine he, he seems like he'll be the sort of, n- even though it's very early, the next sort of big manager. I feel like he's got that. He's got he's got the credentials for it. Yeah. And working under Pep's only going to benefit his experience. And now it's only right that he takes on his own job. I think Bakayo Saka, what a player, bodes so well into that left-back role, able to push on. Is it 12, 12 goal contributions this yeah, season? Yeah, 19, 19 starts. It's mental, isn't it? What a player. Especially for someone that... See, was he's he a English, midfielder, isn't he? A midfielder, like a winger at the start. He was, yeah. was a winger, played a bit last year there. But yeah. if if he now, because I don't think he should go anywhere else, who's obviously, I think his contract's up at the end of the season, I want to say, or season beyond that. But I think mm. he's got to stay at Arsenal and keep building under Arteta. Yeah, and obviously we're a little bit short on time. I uh, just want to quickly talk about the boxing um, on the weekend. Um, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. Uh, what were your thoughts on the match, guys? I'll start with you, Mikey. Yeah, really good. I think, um, obviously, it's great to see the Brit win it. Obviously, Tyson Fury, that's who... I mean, were we all backing Tyson? All going I think, well, you, yeah. it's, you always get this way. Like, people are like, oh, I don't think he'll do it. But then I think he's arguably cemented himself as the best, best current boxer yeah. in the world. Um, I mean, in terms of... It's funny seeing him before the match. He's so He was so calm about it. I saw this interview with his dad, who's very similar to him as well. And his dad was saying... Um, I put money on it. I, I'll bet you fifty grand That's to uh, David to, Hay. To David Hay, yeah. And um, but he wasn't. He was saying, 
I'm not just saying this. Uh, two a year, two years ago, a year ago, I wouldn't have put any. I would wouldn't back him at all. But now he is going to win, and they were so confident. And obviously, everyone talks up before the fight, but there, there was a genuine sort of confidence there. Oh, you could see confidence. it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's part of his like personality and his, you know, like his aura. That's what he is. But I think he was obviously you saw that in the ring the way he was kind of taunting Wilder and like. I mean, I didn't watch Fight Live. I've watched it since, and mm. you can see that confidence he has in the ring. It's like, I mean, I've I don't watch loads of boxing, but I don't see that often. That kind of confidence and that swagger, I suppose, that he has. Yeah, of I, course. I think it's a case of um, his dad, John, made a great point in that if he's got up in the twelfth round from a knockout blow from Wilder, what more can Wilder do? Mm. I think if he's done that psychological, not win, but a large psychological psychological gain ahead of the fight anyway yeah um and you look at how he was fighting he was so he was heavier than last time but yeah, he, over he was, 19 stone this time yeah. yeah but he was still moving with that kind of aura of confidence like you say and that swagger and that ability to dodge punches that i don't think wilder has obviously while fury is able to punch harder and that's what obviously um enabled the damage to be caused to wilder and i think it was a cut contributing facts of his defensive game being able to move so quickly and evade shots yeah. and ov obviously if you can evade Wilder's um, haymaker then mm. happy days really of course and, uh, and in terms of um, the sort of potential rematch or people, some people are saying an all English uh, fight with AJ uh, imagine that at Wembley that'd be a absolutely amazing well, they're talking up like I think AJ's looking at Tottenham as well for his next fight so even the potential of something like that would be yeah what, what would you rather see a rematch first or would I, d I think, albeit, I think we've now seen it twice, yeah. a win and a draw. I think it should be done and dusted, but the way Tyson was talking after the fight in terms of, I want 70,000 all outside fight next time, there is potential, obviously, for that rematch. But um, just a quote here from Eddie Hearn, who's saying, Anthony Joshua's undisputed world title fight against Tyson Fury will happen. Yeah. Obviously, they've both got three belts each. And now that Fury's overcome Wilder um, with such credentials that I think it's only right that he's yeah. moved on. Uh, Apparently, I've heard that it might even be sooner rather than later as well, maybe even Insiders. this summer. Yeah. During, the, during the Euros, imagine. That what would you like to see? I would like to, well, I'd be happy with both, but I feel like Tyson and AJ in the summer would be, it would be very nice to watch. But then whatever happens, there's no, I don't think there's a massive rush. Um, but I would, I would say I'd like to see Tyson AJ, but I know a yeah. few boxing fans want to see Tyson Wilder. Uh, it's just like round if Wilder three. wins, if Wilder wins though, then it's one all, and then do you have a fourth fight? Exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, so like it gets, I think for me, I, AJ and Tyson's the fight, the fight that everyone wants to see. Yeah, exactly. And um, maybe maybe Wilder fights the winner of that or something. But um, anyway, we'll we'll move on to our final section of the show, the weekly wheel. Uh, we're a little bit short on time, but I'll pass it over to Mikey, who will be doing this. Uh, on the regular as his weekly yeah. feature as his weekly, weekly feature. feature everyone gets their perks <laughs> so obviously last week we did the first one and we voted via twitter the listeners voted we didn't vote i hope I that anyway, no buyer and the winner the winner was uh reading of uh 2005 yeah. six the best championship team promoted to the premier league we're going to spin it again this week we've got 10 more categories oh, yeah. and uh the listeners can vote for the winner and just just to up. make it clear so when we do it when we put the the poll out uh, whoever puts a Mikey put Reading and you got three points. Mm -hmm. I, I put Brighton, came well, second and got two. Two points, one point, and then I got zero. I oh, was that how we're doing it? Two points, one point, zero. Okay, so Mikey got two, I got one, Jack got zero. Um, 
for a shocking for Sheffield United. <laughs> but anyway, I don't go ahead, Mike. Should we have a look this week? Ooh. Ooh. So this time, week's topic is the best Premier League kit of all Ooh. time. Of all time? Of all time. Of all time. Oh, okay. oh, I don't know. That's a tough one. What springs to mind? So I'm, th- I'm thinking, oh, I can't think of a specific one, but those City, the City away kits and alternative kits I always love. They're always yeah. lovely. I was I was gonna say first one that springs to mind. I think it's a nineteen ninety six um, season until about ninety eight. I want to say reminiscent of Georgia King Cladsey, uh, brother sponsor <laughs> United. Kappa. No Kappa. Oh, City. 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 Oh United yeah, but kit, King Clad- yeah, but King Cladsey played for United as well. No, he didn't. No. Oh, I'm thinking. Oh. Andre Kanchelski. No, no. I'm, oh. I promise you, I'm, re- I'm thinking about someone else. Oh. Hey, ignore Continue, that. Continue, Jack. <laughs> um, but it was brother-sponsored manufacturer, Kappa, Old City Batch, pretty smart. Collard, um, Navy, uh, sorry, Maroon. Uh, maroon? Yeah. <laughs> maroon stripe, <laughs> largely white with a Navy upper. That is very smart. Very but nice. being non-biased, it's a tough one, isn't it? Who... Yeah. Who, do, who particularly stands out? For me, being non-biased, Arsenal always comes to mind. Arsenal this season is gorgeous. The, um, yeah, the away... They've gone for a bit of a retro the thing, The away they've they? got at the moment, but also the... I can't remember what season it was, when they had the... might have been the Invincible season, actually, with the O2, and it was like red and just the white sleeves. Henri comes to mind. And yeah. Mm. So it was that kind of one. But for me, I think... <laughs> this is not biased, but I think the kit that United wore in the, I think it was 2007-08 season. The, the Ronaldo one, The one. double one, but the away kit, the black the blue, one. A blue one, black one. Black one, so oh, it was, was black that a third, and it had, Was that not a third kit? It was the away kit. So we had the red and the black one were both the same, but like the same design, but obviously they were different colours and the black one was just, oh, it was so nice. I remember we wore it away at Middlesbrough and we had all four seasons in one game, and they actually had to change the ball midway through the game. <laughs> so we used the normal white ball, and then we had to change to the yellow one. But yeah, that black kit springs to mind, obviously, with it being such a nice kit, and then with it being the season we won the Premier League and the Champions League as well. So you're going to go for I'm that going kit, with United. You're going for King Cladsey. Yeah, uh, I'd say Newcastle have had some very nice ones yeah. over the years. Yeah, I'll t- I'm going to go for a bit of. Oh, it's probably it's definitely been an unpopular one, but on. I can't remember exactly what season it is. But um, it's always because it just reminds me of like Vardy and like Mares like running down the wing or something. But uh, Leicester City, but they're like a away kit that black sort of blacky black one with like no, white yeah, trim. No, um, yeah, no, that's nice. I've always liked that one, and you know with the arm underarm a bit as well. Yeah, always looks good, especially when you have got Jamie Vardy smashing goals home. As an alternative, I think it, I'd probably say, if we've got our three, I'd probably say between Arsenal's yeah. or this. Yeah, yeah. Newcastle, that, that's What year was so that? Classic. Was that like, what, 95 or something? 95, 96-ish. I think you've got to, that's, that is yeah, a, because that's, that's just Alan about, Shearer all over it. Yeah, it, I think it was, it that's must less, be late less 90s. Yeah, that for me. But we'll put, we'll put the, uh, the poll up and then we'll have to, a I reckon we'll have to tweet some tweet some yeah. images, yeah. yeah. Just so, so we're gonna so you're going for Newcastle now. No, no that's, I'll the say that's the alternative. Okay, one. yeah. So we've got City one. City what year, roughly? Uh City ninety six. Sort of and then United United away, oh seven, oh eight. And then what's Leicester would it would it be fifteen, sixteen? Fifteen, sixteen. The, was it it was I think it was a black one. We'll get an image for you and then obviously Newcastle sort of ninety five, ninety six. Um and obviously if you disagree with all of those 
please, put, put please your send, shouts send in yeah. your shouts. Exactly, and uh, and we'll see who the winner will be this week. But thank you for coming on, guys. I know it's been a bit more of a compact episode, but uh, very much enjoyable. Thank you, Mikey. Pleasure as always, mate. Thank you, Jack. Thank you very much, mate. And uh, we'll see you next week for another regular episode. Goodbye.